This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the Dish Professionals. Give them a call, 801-424-DISH, 801-424-3474. Let's uh, let's, uh, jump out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, he is uh, going to be my co-host from 10 to noon every day here on the Zone Sports Network and, of course, continue his fine work at kslsports.com. He is my dear friend, Ben Anderson. What's going on, Ben? Congratulations on the new show, buddy. I'm excited about it. Well, and uh, thank you very much, and I apologize for the uh, enormous step down in your career for having to do a daily show with me, but I appreciate you welcoming me, and this being your last day of us being friends is before we're a co-host, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really am excited about it. There's there's a lot of things I like about doing a show in the midday. It's it's something I've I've done before, and, you know, Ben, in the midday, you have a really kind of dedicated listener, usually somebody that listens for a long, long time, very engaging. I'm, I'm very excited about getting back to the midday. Day, but I'm excited mostly about working with you. Um, I've admired your work from afar for a, a long time. Um, I mentioned earlier in the show we we shared a we share a former co-host in uh, Kyle Gunther, which I, I did a show with, and then of course you did for a long, long time in of course Drive Time uh, with Kyle. And I, I admired your work then, and uh, I, I've really thought your transition to covering the jazz for kslsports.com has been an amazing one. You're a terrific writer. And I, I just, I think we can do, let me put it this way. I'm excited to work with you and I think we can do a lot from day one. And the, there's a lot of potential there. Well, I'm flattered uh, by your kind words and then certainly by the opportunity. Obviously I know this is a, a big responsibility and I appreciate it. And while you're talking about uh, our friend Kyle Gunther, because I get asked about him a lot because we did the show together for so long. Let me read this text that he sent when he found out the news, just to you really quick, Jake, uh, because he is happy for us. He said, I'm so happy for you. I'll tune in for sure. Tell Jakester I love him, too, and I wish you guys well. So uh, a lot of people do ask about Kyle Gunther, and uh, he's doing well and uh, is excited for this opportunity for me and uh, for you as well. I know you guys have a, a close relationship as well. So Kyle's doing great for everyone who asks. He's... Uh... <laughs> Kyle's the best. I I will never forget my time working with Kyle Gunther. Uh, And I mean that with all the best. We had some absolute hilariously fun times uh, when I was doing a show with him and and working with him. We had a particular trip to Portland, which was pretty nuts. But uh, no, Kyle, Kyle is the best. And uh, you, you know, you did great shows with him. And so uh, I think we can do great shows together. And I really, you know, while we're talking about what you you and I have talked a little bit about what we want the show to be. And uh, we really want to take advantage of your connection and coverage with the jazz with kslsports.com. So we're going to be very focused on the jazz and it's a good time certainly to do that. But I think we both want to keep it light and have fun at the same time. Yeah, and I think hopefully uh, get a lot of different voices on the uh, the air that we can. I mean, it's a two-hour show. We're not going to have a lot of uh, interviews and things like that necessarily because 
there's not as much time that, you know, that, that, that we have in, in the middle of the day to, to talk. And, uh, but I think it's an opportunity for you and I to, to share our opinions and then certainly bring in a lot of other opinions as, as well. You know, I talked to Holly Rowe today at jazz practice today and, and asked her if she'd like to come on and she said she'd love to. So, I, I mean, I think there's certainly different opportunities for us to go out and find some voices that, uh, that aren't always on the air that we can uh, spread and kind of help launch this thing into the next level. Wow, look at you, Ben. The show hasn't even started. We're not even on day number one, and you're already landing big headliner guests. I mean, I geez. Well, she hasn't said. She gave me her number. I didn't get her as it is. <laughs> I don't know when she's coming on. But you know what? I think 10 to 2 is, or 10 to noon is a pretty good time. People usually aren't that busy at that point. So hopefully I have a good opportunity to get some people on. Ben Anderson already setting an extraordinarily high standard for the show. I like <laughs> yeah, it. Who you I, got, I think it's Jake. a good thing. Yeah, right. These, just these, oh, I don't know. You know, international celebrity Holly Rowe is willing to come over to the show. Who do you have? Lloyd? I don't that, have anybody. Your... <laughs> Not compared to that. Take that. I got you, Ben. And you know what? Uh, we honestly, we, we're not sure who's going to be the full-time producer of the show uh, quite yet, Ben. But heaven help them because they're getting the two most high-maintenance dudes in town. Yeah, you and I are, uh, you and I are a notorious handful. So <laughs> pray for those guys. Seriously, uh, but let's let's uh, let's talk some basketball, Ben, because the season begins tomorrow. And I was just talking about overall the Western Conference a couple segments ago, and that is where I want to start with you. Here's here's my frame of mind when kind of trying to d- decide where my prediction is going to be because I I'm trying to talk myself out of the Jazz being Western Conference champions just because. Th- I don't know. It feels like the maybe the Homer pick, or I'm drinking the Kool Aid, or whatever. But here's where here's where I'm having trouble. I can't talk myself into anybody else in the West. I look at the rest of the teams, and and maybe that's the beauty of it. Everybody's flawed, but I look at the rest of the teams, and I can't really fully sell myself on on anyone else either. So this is my conundrum. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're probably right there. I think everyone at this point, obviously, because we haven't played a game yet, has their their question marks. But really, there are more significant question marks this season than there are most years. Uh, you look at the Denver Nuggets, and they don't have Jamal Murray to start the season. And, and look, even if he comes back, we just need to stop kind of fooling ourselves. The guys ever come back the same that first year. You're just It takes so long to get your timing back, your wind back, your strength back, everything that it takes to be you know one of the most elite players in the world. It's just so hard to come back and be good, and he's clearly their second-best player behind Nikola Jokic, so... Without him, that's going to be hard. You know, the Lakers are the Lakers, and you should never bet against LeBron James. I, I firmly believe that. And still, at some point, Father Time comes into play. Russell Westbrook has never won the way he should in his career. So I don't know what to believe there. And then you're asking for an entire roster to, to kind of figure it out on the fly and be a championship contender right away. That's difficult. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers are in the same boat as Jamal Murray and the, uh, and the Nuggets, even though Kawhi's a significantly better player than Jamal. Phoenix Suns stuff is too goofy for them to not sign DeAndre Ayton before the season. You just don't need to put – when you're having your best season you've had in three decades, you just don't mess that up with contractual stuff that is a foregone conclusion that, uh, that Ayton's going to get a max contract from somebody next offseason. So I don't know what they are afraid of or what they think is going on there, but that's something to watch. And then everyone else has just a, a lack of talent compared to those top four teams. So I think that's going to be the major issue across the West. I was surprised with the lack of major moves. And I know Russell Westbrook, and I, we can talk about the Lakers fit here in a second, but I was surprised Portland didn't do something more aggressive. Or Dallas. I mean, I don't think, 
I don't think the Porzingis Luca matchup is is you know team uh, team up is ideal. I think Dallas. I I'm surprised of the lack of kind of really aggressive moves. No, Kristaps Porzingis just isn't a legit number two guy. He's he's incredibly talented, but after his injury in New York, he kind of never came back the same way. And yeah, I, I'm curious. And then they lost Rick Carlisle. Don't forget, Rick Carlisle yeah. is probably the best coach in the NBA. You know, as much as, as we love Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra and Quinn Snyder absolutely belongs in that conversation. Uh, but you look at guys who have won championships, have won everywhere they've ever been, turned teams into contenders really quickly. Uh, it, it's hard to beat what Rick Carlisle has done. And, and you're replacing him not just with, you know, it's not like they're getting a replacement level coach. They're getting Jason Kidd, who's been enormously questionable wherever he's gone. So I think that's a step backwards, unfortunately, for them. Portland absolutely should have done everything they could to get Ben Simmons, in my opinion. I get that right now Ben Simmons is the most hated man, uh, certainly in Philadelphia, if not all of the country, <laughs> certainly in the NBA circles. But I, I just can't imagine anything other than Damian Lillard that I wouldn't give up to get a guy like that on that team. I mean, they, they don't have superstar pieces, and I get that Philly has to agree to a trade. But, I mean, the, the 76ers would have been had to have been willing at this point to take – you know, a Gary Trent Jr. and a C.J. McCollum in draft picks or whatever you need to get that deal done. And you're right. Portland just didn't get significantly better. I like a couple of their pieces, but but nothing that's going to push them over the top. And then everyone else is just, you know, kind of still trying to grow. Oklahoma City, who we'll see tomorrow night, is trying to grow. Memphis is still trying to figure it out. New Orleans never figured it out last season. It doesn't give me any hope for this year because I think they got worse. So it's going to be a fun season, but but I think the West is going to look a lot like it did last year. Do you think that uh, Westbrook and the Lakers, well, but specifically his role, do you think that is going to work? And if so, sell me, sell me on why. Here's what does work, and it's going to work during the regular season. I don't know if it works in the playoffs. Is he allows LeBron to take lots of possessions off because he is such a one-man wrecking crew, because he can legitimately handle 30 possessions a game the way very few players in NBA history have. He's just got – his best, I mean, his best asset is his motor, and it's always been his motor, and that's how he gets triple-doubles. You know, he's a good passer. He's good at attacking the rim. He certainly doesn't have the athleticism or explosiveness he used to have, but he's still pretty good. He still runs really hard. He rebounds really well, and he kind of does a lot of the same things, the triple-double stuff that LeBron does. So that will help LeBron not feel like he has to do everything, but at the same point, the things he doesn't do well are, I think, the best things that you need to have next to LeBron. You know, LeBron's been at his best when he's had really good defensive players and shooters and athletes around him that I think that can kind of complement and, and play smart off of how he plays. And I'm not saying Russell Westbrook doesn't play smart. I think he's a really smart person. I, I just think his game is the type that you have to build around him. And I don't think that necessarily fits next to LeBron unless LeBron's willing to take a back seat. And that's you know, that's just bad for the Lakers. LeBron's still, you know, the second or third best player on earth. So I I know I've asked you about uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think I, I'm sure I asked you about it last week. But now that um, we see, I guess, that, that the state or the city of New York is, is not going to bend one bit and the Nets did what they had to do and basically deactivated him. I don't – what's the end game here, do you think, by, by your best guess? Yeah, it's, I honestly would told you, Jake, and I think I said this a few weeks ago when you asked me, is that I thought by this point he would have, he would have signed. You know, yeah, or I should too. say, you know, gotten the vaccine and, and been back with the team. And I just assumed that he would have done it. And I guess, you know, I don't know if you want to say he called everyone bluff or, or if he's just comfortable doing this and, and doesn't feel like he wants to be around. Maybe that's the case, and maybe he's going to use it as an opportunity to take the first half of the season off, and he'll still sign later. And we see guys do that in, you know, all sorts of sports, not necessarily with the vaccine. 
but with, you know, all types of reasons. Hey, I'm not ready to play. Hey, I want to wait to come back to a contender. And the nice thing is, whenever he comes back, he's coming back to a contender because the Nets are going to be so good this season. But, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to be involved in it for a full 82 games. Maybe he doesn't have that type of interest. We know he's taken weird days off in the past to go to birthday parties and, you know, political gatherings. He's just... He's kind of always done his own thing. So I'm surprised he hasn't come back yet. I would still, I guess, say I, I would assume he'll be back by, you know, December, midseason at the, at the latest. But I thought he'd be back at this point as well, and he proved me wrong. So maybe that's what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to continue to prove the naysayers wrong. And, and you know, that's absolutely his right. I, I, I don't want to say it's a mutual decision, but he knows what it takes to get back on the floor. And the Nets know what it takes and have told him what it takes to get back on the floor. And he's made this choice not to do it. I mean, th- th- these are two parties that are making this decision together. He could be on the road playing with the team right now. They're not going to let him. Or he could be back playing full-time if he wanted to get the shot. And he doesn't want to get it. So both sides have kind of made their argument. They've come to an agreement that that's not how it's going to work. And I-, I think that's fine if you want to look at it that way. So I want to ask you about Ben Simmons. And uh, we saw James Harden last year when he wanted to get out of Houston, Ben. And he, 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 he at least appeared, made himself appear to be fat and uh, out yeah. of shape and, and yeah. put in as little effort as possible, you know, just basically sending the message that, you know, this is what you're going to get unless you move on from me quick. And I'll never forget that pregame video where he looked like he weighed 300 pounds. When he, was, he had to be wearing like four warm-ups, Ben. I don't know what. But anyway, that was the tactic that James Harden took. Ben Simmons has, has gone the holdout direction, and that didn't really work all that well. Now he's back, and he's practicing with phones in his pockets and getting bounced from practice because he doesn't want to do drills and get suspended. For, like, how's this tactic going for him? Yeah, I mean, I actually think it'll work. I do think this puts more pressure on the, the 76ers to trade him now. Because as bad as he looked, I don't know how much worse he was going to make his trade value. You know, the goal has always been between for Ben Simmons and for Rich Paul, his, his agent, is just get out of Philly. You have to get out. And look, it's Philly's fault that they're in this spot. First of all, they danced with Ben Simmons, and, and we've kind of known who he was since LSU. And he's good enough to win you a lot of games. I don't know, and this is what Doc Rivers said, I don't know if he's good enough to win you the most important games. Now, that's not a unique problem to Ben Simmons. A lot of guys can't win the most important games. That's why there's only one champion a year, but, you know, the coach doesn't usually call them out for that. So I think that's absolutely on the Philadelphia 76ers for going scorched earth against him without a firm plan to get rid of him in the offseason and then to submarine his value and only hurt themselves. So I don't have any problem with Ben saying, hey, I'm not going to come back. you got to trade me. I'm never going to play in Philly again. And them not doing it and him saying, well, fine, I want to get my money because you're not giving me an opportunity to make it elsewhere, but I still don't want to be here. So, look, I don't condone what he's doing. I'm glad we're not having to cover it with the Jazz locally or any of our local teams. I'm glad that's not a storyline we're having to follow for anybody. But Philly has handled this equally as poorly, if not more poorly, than Ben Simmons, who's looking out for his own self-interest, which if you've ever worked in a building of people who sign contracts, that's really ultimately how it works. It's not this brilliant team environment like I think we want to romanticize with with the sports world. These guys are all looking out for themselves, and and they kind of have to because of how competitive it is. For Philly to not address this sooner and have this be what's hanging over their head going into opening night, it's just it's bizarre to me. It's bananas that they didn't figure this out. 
Yeah, but the but the going fat route of James Harden was so much more entertaining, Ben. It was so what? much better. Oh, and, and creative. But James Harden's better than Ben Simmons and more creative. Yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons has, has no fun. I mean, that guy is the least fun person in the NBA and has been since he stepped on the floor. He couldn't engage with Donovan, who everybody likes. He couldn't play along with the rookie of the year thing, which was kind of a marketing ploy from Adidas as it was. He just... He couldn't ever laugh or grasp or smile about it. And look, it's not my job to tell anyone to smile, but you're you're playing professional basketball. If you can't have fun doing that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I agree with you. Ben Anderson with us here on 97.5 and in, in 1280 The Zone. Uh, let's talk about the Jazz a little bit. What do you think is the number one major storyline on the floor going into this year? Just, I mean, example um, – what was it uh, a couple of years ago when it, Mike Conley was coming off that first year with the Jazz that didn't quite go so well? And it was, well, it was really, it was last year. And how would that go? How would he fit? Where would those shots come from? You know, with he and Bogdanovich in the lineup together because they never really clipped, uh, clicked in at the same time. This year it feels like we know a little bit more and they're, I'm having a tough time identifying that one major storyline on the floor to be watching for. What do you think that is? I'll give you two, Jake. I'll give you one that's obvious, and I'll give you one that might actually determine the success of the Jazz season this year. First of all, it's what happens with Jared Butler. You know, does Jared Butler work his way into the rotation? Is that a guy that Quinn Snyder is willing to expand his his rotation to 10 players to get him on the floor? Because, look, a rookie who comes in and leads the team in the preseason and scoring and assists is really hard to plant on the bench and say, yeah, you're not worth developing in real games. And Look, you can say you can develop in garbage time. You can say you can develop with the stars, and all those things are true. Rudy Gobert did it. But, man, you're, in a, you're trying to win a championship, and Jared Butler might be able to help you. So you want to figure out a way to get that guy on the floor. So that's my biggest question that we should have a relatively quick answer to. Is this a guy that in the first 10 games of the season is averaging 8 minutes to 12 minutes a game and not just because the Jazz are blowing out their opponents like they did so often last season? Are we seeing minutes for him – to end the first quarter or end the first half or open the second quarter and open the fourth quarter, how is he being used? That's my number one question. The question that may actually determine the success for the Jazz this season is over the last five years, Jake, the Jazz have been a top five defensive team all but one year. That one year was when Derek Favors was with the New Orleans Pelicans. Derek Favors is no longer with the Jazz, and now he's with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we'll see him tomorrow night. Do the Jazz have the ability to keep their defensive intensity up in the 15 minutes Rudy Gobert's on the bench with a guy like Hassan Whiteside, who plays a different style of defense than Derek Favors? Can he keep up that level of play? As much as Favors wasn't the guy we saw in his prime with the Jazz last year, he still helped them rebound from being, I think it was 14th or 15th in defensive efficiency, back up to, what, third or fourth last year? If you don't have him on the floor this season, do the Jazz have a guy who can fix that? Because Ed Davis... And Tony Bradley proved that they couldn't do it. Jawan Morgan couldn't do it. Now it's on Hassan Whiteside's shoulders. And look, last year I would have told you you don't want to touch Hassan Whiteside with a you know 12 foot pole. He's been pretty good in the preseason. In fact, I thought his last game was really good. Uh, and if he can play that well every night, the Jazz will be just fine. But if he can't, the Jazz defense drops, and then you don't have a top 10 defense, top 10 offense. And we know those are kind of the tools you need to be a championship contender. Yeah, I, Ben, you and I were doing pre-half and post that year before the Jordan Clarkson trade and, and the Ed Davis thing didn't quite work out. And it was such a disaster anytime anybody came off the floor. I mean, uh, especially Rudy, Rudy Gobert, it just the, 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 the whole game would go into the tank. 
that when they, you know, have now slowly built that bench a little bit differently, added Jordan Clarkson, of course, and God favors back, and eventually now Whiteside, we are far from those days where the Jazz really right now, Ben, you know, speaking of Jared Butler, they have 10 dudes. They have 10 guys battling for eight spots, and that's actually a really good position to be in because you don't have to rely on on uh, necessarily – uh, everybody playing well at the same time. There's going to be others competing and pushing, and that's something that wasn't true really not that long ago. Yeah, exactly right. And, and look, we can hammer the, the Jazz old front office for going out and giving Derek Favors three years and $30 million. It was a lot. It was an overpay. Clearly, in retrospect, it didn't work, and they had to attach a first-round pick just to send him uh, to OKC. But at the same point, it was your most glaring issue. He was the best backup center in the NBA Two seasons ago when he was with the Jazz, I know he started, but when he would come back off the bench, he was always the best center uh, on the floor going up against the other team's second unit. It, it just worked so well. It made sense why you had to go out and pay him. It just didn't – he didn't end up being the guy still that he had been a few years ago. So uh, you understand why the Jazz did it. Unfortunately, they had to attach a significant piece just to unload him. But that puts pressure on that second unit. And with Hassan Whiteside stepping up and, and having to prove he's the guy because – what we've seen so far in preseason is Udoka has a bookie still at least a year away. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that, uh, Ben. Thank you for jumping on with us. I'm excited about tomorrow. We're getting we're we're going right out of the gates. Uh, Ten o'clock tomorrow morning. What t- what time are we meeting at the studio? You know, four or five a.m. I mean, I think we got to be ready. Get some coffee and we'll uh, we'll get moving. Oh yeah, you and I out. are both. Yeah, a little camp out. Ben and I are both coffee guys, and I I figure we could really have a race to see how much coffee we could get in ourselves by 10 a.m. and just go. I mean, it's just going to be action-packed. Like the now, the, 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 the crash at 2 p.m. will be rough, but we won't be on the air at that point, Ben. So that, well, you've got to be, be back on the air tomorrow night. That's true. That's it. Well, that's where more coffee comes back in, Ben, after the crash. You've got to prop yourself right back up. Get back up yeah. on that train. We'll do our best. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you very much. I, I'm very excited about tomorrow, and hey, we're 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 gonna do a really great show going forward. Hey, say hi to my friends out there on remote, and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Absolutely. See you, Ben. That's Ben Anderson, of course, uh, going to be my co-host from tomorrow going forward. And, of course, you can read his great jazz coverage at kslsports.com. 